You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today's business is the business of book writing, storytelling, the documentation, the documentation of a man's great accomplishments, a baseball and sports love story, and a love story between a man and a woman, a love story about family and about the South, as well as other dimensions of American culture told by my guest, Bradshaw Hayes, in a book about his grandfather, Arthur Brown Bradshaw, and the book is entitled King of a Southern Diamond. Welcome to the Business Hour, Brad. Thank you, Ron. I'm happy to be here. Well, Brad, to set a tone uh, about Arthur Bradshaw, I want to start by reading a quote that uh, was in, that's included on the back cover of your book by former early turn of the 20th century coaching great, Coach John Heisman. And that quote is as follows. Easily the name that shines clearest and brightest in this array of exceptional talent is that of Bradshaw. This young man is beyond all questioning the most prominent player of the season. With most extraordinary ability as pitcher, he combines the advantages of being a good batter and base runner. Add those Add these to a sunny disposition, a firm determination, and words of endurance, and you understand why he has been able to place himself head and shoulders above all other pitchers of the year. And I would have him as captain of my team. He has the bearing of a gentleman, forbearance of a true sportsman, and the ideal temperament of the fighting athlete, ever determined, never dismayed, always strong, with a persistent smile to help out. As a captain, he would be a credit and ornament to any team. That is 1905, and that's a quote from John Heisman, uh, namesake for the Heisman Trophy, and those are uh, quite lofty uh, accolades. Um, So with that in mind... Well, uh, they had a very special relationship, and they had a very high mutual respect for each other. And it's really a little bit rare sometimes for an opposing coach to speak uh, as much about Bradshaw as Heisman did. But but uh, they really did have a very high mutual respect for each other. Yeah, and that developed over the years. Um, obviously, uh, Heisman had been eyeing um, Bradshaw and his accomplishments. And uh, in, in 1905, felt like... It, uh, he could characterize Bradshaw in the way that I just uh, uh, read, um, which, again, that's a quote from the back cover of your book. Um, <clears throat> up in the front of your book, there's another quote that's very, very brief. And to me, for aficionados of the sport of uh, baseball, this will be very clearly understood, and this is the quote. Love is the most important thing in the world. But baseball is pretty good, too. Yogi Berra. The great Yogi Berra, uh, a a modern American philosopher. Um, Now, with that, I want to ask you, and and, and you offered to me um, prior to today a a, a short um, 
a short description of the book, uh, a really short description of the book. Give that to me again. Well, if you want the short version, uh, it would be Love, God, Baseball, Family, and Adventure. King of the Southern Diamond touches all the bases. Now, can you expand on that? And I want to set it up in this way. And, and, and listeners of the program have heard me say this before. It's not as if it's an elevator speech, that 60-second elevator speech where you summarize the features and benefits of anything. It's more like we're at a cocktail party. And, and I turn to you, Brad. You know that you don't have a lot of time. You're some more interesting people you want to talk to. But I seem interested in your book, and I ask you, well, Brad, um, beyond that little short description, um, what is that book about? Well, it's it's a great untold story, which really are the best kind. But it's it's most people that look at the cover think it's just about baseball. Well, he had some extraordinary accomplishments uh, in his baseball career, and Heisman called him the best player in the country uh, in his last year. Uh, but the book goes well beyond baseball. It's a beautiful love story between Arthur Bratcher and Lizzie Muse. And uh, he was very deep-rooted in family and was a great, loving husband, father to his children and grandfather, and had a 100-acre farm at the end of his life for six years that all the kids went to for the summers, and that's where the adventure comes in. You know, this could also be characterized as a book about a, a great uh, Southern gentleman, a great American who led a, a really full life, who, who did some really good deeds, who had some really key relationships in his life from players that he played with to Lizzie Muse, who you mentioned, who became his wife. Um, and then there's a baseball story along the way. There's a baseball story about a man of significant accomplishment as a baseball player. But there's uh, a lot of other dimensions that you characterize in the book, and that's why um, we can refer to it as a love story of uh, a man and a woman, family, southern culture, uh, baseball, and sports. Now, how did you conceive of writing this book, Brad, because uh, you didn't know your grandfather real well, I mean, but but nevertheless, at some point in time, you thought, hey, I want to learn more about him. Yeah, and then it, it really, in writing the book, it was kind of done in reverse. Most people say, I want to write this book and proceed on to doing the research and uh, to write it. I uh, wanted to get to know my grandfather that I had never met in my life. And so I initially started uh, going to Duke University, asking for some information from them. But then I, I went to the newspapers, and by golly, I found 350 newspaper articles about him and Lizzie Muse. And and they went from baseball, his personal life, his business, 
the, the articles described his his nature his uh, the, that he always had a smile on his face he was uh, really a gentleman and they described that in these newspaper articles and after two and a half years of research or two years probably I said wow there's a story here and so that's when I began to write the book and uh, and along the way I got a lot of help from uh, you know my writing I joined some writing circles and um uh, and uh, just got a lot of help along the way in writing the book because it's my first book. Yeah, I, I think you've done a wonderful job, and you uh, either instinctively or someone cued you to seek the support of um, other writers. In fact, Valerie Love, who uh, was a previous uh, president of the Atlanta Book Club, uh, has been on this program. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I noticed that you uh, acknowledged Valerie uh, in your book, and uh, you and I hadn't uh, talked about that. Uh, and then there were some others, some other folks, and, and we might be able to get to that uh, a little bit later. Um, I want to, um, to clarify um, for anyone... Who uh, and 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 certainly this is something that that you had to uh, work out in your mind um, uh, as you un- as the story unfolded. You know, this was a puzzle to then be reassembled, uh, even though there were lots of articles that you could draw from. There's a great deal of research that is uh, an accurate depiction of the man and. Uh, other characters, uh, real people, um, but there's some embellishment in, the t- in terms of there's dialogue that you would have uh, included so that you were reading between the lines, and, and consequently, I, I think it's a, a, a really beautiful narrative, nonfiction, but with some elements um, that were. Uh, reading between the lines, so to speak, and then told by you in the form of dialogue, um, and 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 you become more familiar with with um, um, Bradshaw, Arthur Brown Bradshaw, uh, when when you paint that historical account uh, of him, uh, and uh, then you took some literary license in describing the settings, the scenes, the dialogue. Uh, based on actual information, and you undertook many, many hours of research. Yeah, well, a lot of, for instance, the first page of the book, when uh, it starts out, stop that train, stop that damn train, boys. Well, that was, that actually happened, the train going to Mercer for one of the most famous college games ever played. They called it the Miracle of Mercer, their train was a half a mile down the track, and uh, that really happened. I, it was from, in the newspaper, and it was in the news, uh, letter from my grandfather to W.W. Card reminiscing about th- that crazy scene because if they missed the train, they would have to forfeit the game, and in that game, he struck out to 22 batters and pitched a no-hitter. But beyond the newspaper articles and uh, – diaries and uh, letters. A great part of the book uh, in basing those conversations and narrative, as you say, were based on <coughs> excuse me, actual conversations with my mother, with my uh, 
sister who's 81, God bless you, Liz. And Liz and I spent hundreds, if not more, hours talking about her memories of grandfather, the farm, what a gentle man he was, what a gentleman, that he always was there for them. So I think one of the richest parts of my writing the book were leaning and, and uh, gleaming those conversations with family, cousins, uh, and and uh, and hearing what they said about Arthur Bratcher and Lizzie Muse. She was quite a gal. You know, when you read uh, 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 that section on uh, stopping the train, and, and, and I won't have you read, because uh, which I will do uh, with some other parts of the book, but uh, it's, a, it's a very descriptive scene. And in fact, as it unfolds, you don't really know if they're going to catch the train. Yeah. And I'm not going to give it away. Uh, you know, you read the book and you'll see whether or not the ballplayers uh, catch up to the train that's leaving to uh, head to Mercer, which had they missed a train, which they might, <laughs> um, it could be disastrous because they would have been late for um, that uh, that famous uh, uh, miracle at Mercer. Yeah. Um, we're going to be taking a break, um, Bradshaw, and uh, you'll notice that my guest, Bradshaw Hayes, here's the name Bradshaw, um, with Arthur Brown Bradshaw, who we've been talking about, and the book, King of the Southern Diamond, No Hits, No Runs, which Bradshaw Hayes has written. We'll be back to talk with Bradshaw about King of the Southern Diamond right after this break. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon-cutting ceremony, and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project. You can donate at jcvets.org. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. 
Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Bradshaw Hayes, author of the book, King of the Southern Diamond, No Hits, No Runs. And it's a book about a very accomplished baseball player, a pitcher, and his relationships uh, during the time uh, of his life. Um, But let me take a moment here. There's so many things that can be said uh, very specifically about his accomplishments, but there's one uh, section on on, on a a long list of his accomplishments that I want to read, and it says that Arthur Bradshaw holds 11 single-season Duke pitching records, most strikeouts in a single season, which was 171. Most wins in a single season, which was 13. Most innings pitched in a season, 134. Most games started, which was 14. Most complete games in a season, which was 14. List hits given up per nine innings, 2.95. Uh, or rather, least hits. Least walks per nine innings, uh, 0.29. Strikeout to walk ratio forty point two five, whip point four two five, shutouts five, lowest ERA point zero seven four six. He holds nine career pitching records, um, career games started, career wins, complete games, innings pitched, fewest hits per inning, most career strikeouts, most career shutouts, most lettered in a single sport, and most years serving as captain. That's that's a lot, and that's just a portion of what you uh, um, document and, and make uh, make available for readers. Well, I uh, found those statistics. Uh, I found every they Duke and W.W. Carr, the athletic director, and a couple of people that wrote about him in the '40s said there were no records for 1901 and 1902. Well, I found in the, but they didn't have the internet, and I did. So I found every game he ever pitched, and three of his records, uh, I think, are very unusual. He pitched fifty-eight games, and fifty-six of those were complete games. And in nineteen oh four, he went thirteen and one and walked only four batters the whole year in 129 innings. I mean, that's just... And in 1905, he had a 0.74 ERA uh, average. He also holds three or four NCAA records, uh, which we're about to submit to the NCAA. You know, there are a lot of folks who uh, may not be aware that... uh, uh, even though there was a lot of press generated at the time, I mean the the the, uh, the journalism community was in love with uh, Bradshaw. I mean, as you say, they characterized his demeanor as well as his accomplishment because he was just a good guy. He was a really good guy. He was polite. He was friendly. Uh, he was available to the press. And uh, I wonder. Well, you just gave him a great compliment because that was in my notes that he was a good guy. And uh, that's what they said about Bobby Jones, too. Yeah, and, and he in, was a good guy. And, in fact, I, I, I want to say that, that, that he was, in some respects, like the Bobby Jones 
of baseball. And the reason for that, uh, a southern gentleman um, who was highly accomplished as an amateur, a lot of people don't know that Bobby Jones remained an amateur competitor. Bradshaw was primarily an, uh, an amateur competitor. And 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 really, he was sort of living in the shadow of some professional players. You know, people know of um, uh, Cy Young. You know, Cy Young was more or less the same period of time, but uh, he was the Cy Young of college baseball. Would that be a fair assessment? Well, he was. It, he was argued uh, by some the best player in college baseball. Or the second best. Uh, I think we've shown pretty clearly that he was the best pitcher of his time. Um, so uh, he, he had a great career. I lost a little bit. There. Yeah, he he actually um, was really dominant. I guess. you know the, during those years, nineteen oh three, four, five, he was a, a, a overwhelmingly dominant and. Uh, uh, I, I do want to take a moment to say that uh, uh, along with uh, a, a characterization of uh, Bradshear as a uh, gentleman uh, baseball player with, uh, with overwhelming accomplishments, um, he played at Trinity College, and I want to explain that uh, you'll see Trinity mentioned, and for the purpose of this program, we'll be talking about Trinity uh, College and Duke University, Trinity, Duke, and uh, and uh, almost Trinity slash Duke because Trinity morphed into to, to Duke. In fact, uh, it was um, with key support from Washington Duke and fellow Methodist uh, townsman Julian Carr uh, that Trinity College, originally located in Randolph County, North Carolina, uh, was moved to to Durham, North Carolina, and it opened there in 1982. The Duke family continued its commitment to the institution in 1996 when Duke offered to give the college $100,000, which would be uh, the equivalent of many millions uh, in today's uh, dollars, uh, if it would admit women on equal footing with men and the college promptly accepted the offer, making Trinity, uh, which later became Duke, a pioneer in the South uh, in women's education. Well, he made that offer of the what is the equivalent of a million dollars that he said, I'm taking it back if you don't do what I've asked you to do. And uh, Lizzie Muse, uh, Arthur Bratcher's wife and love of his life, was the, the 12th girl to ever attend Trinity, and uh, she was, uh, it said she was the youngest girl to ever uh, attend Trinity, and uh, they say Lizzie Muse was the prettiest and smartest girl in North Carolina, and I know she was the smartest because I got her transcript from 1902 from Duke University, and she took seven courses and made straight A's and took four languages. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, you know, it was, it was sort of a, a, a an ideal, uh, a sort of a match made in heaven, if you will. Um, and and there are other dimensions uh, to 
Brad Shear's relationships that you characterize in the book, uh, you know, uh, uh, we'll get into this in a moment, but another such relationship was that of his relationship to his uh, his catcher. Um, it, it, in fact, with all these different uh, dimensions beyond baseball, you know, the as I read the book, it conjured up uh, uh, a little bit of the book The Natural and maybe even more the, the movie The Natural because as I was visualizing some of the scenes that you uh, uh, very uh, uh, nicely detailed in the book uh, you know I could I could see um, some pretty dramatic scenes unfolding on a, on a screen and uh, you know I hope that uh, you'll be uh turning this into a screenplay sometime soon um bradshire but it 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 was reminiscent of roy hobbs the central figure in in the natural who also had a uh a love interest in that movie um much the way that um Arthur Bradshaw had a relationship with with Lizzie well uh, roy hobbs also originally was a pitcher um and then he uh, had an injury and he became uh, a very prominent hitter. Um, the Natural is one of my favorite movies of all time, and uh, and it's a very popular movie. Um, uh, yeah, excuse me for that. Uh, but they remind me each other, remind me uh, of each other in the movie. Roy was very relaxed, very confident, always had a smile on his face, uh, never showed negative emotion, and but always seemed to get the job done. And uh, um, and that's the way I would also describe Bratcher. Uh, and, and, and Roy Hobbs was a folk hero. He became a folk hero in the movie. And Arthur Bratcher was definitely a folk hero in the South. People would get on trains for years and follow him all over the South to watch him pitch, uh, and uh, he was a folk hero. Yeah, he was a charismatic c- character. There's no question about it. Uh, he was uh, so much more uh, than just a highly accomplished uh, a baseball player, and uh, and that comes across uh, loud and clear. Um, uh, you, um, you, you, you really did a great deal of research on the book, and, and along with uh, the content of the actual book, I'm going to share a little bit about the mechanics of uh, research and writing the book. Um, uh, that is uh, research, the creative aspect, uh, the actual taking those ideas and putting them down in writing. Uh, and the publishing of the book, and more recently, you've been promoting the book. Uh, um, this very program is, is helping to shed light on the book itself. Um, but I want to talk about the mechanics of writing the book. Um, we could spend an entire hour on that, but uh, the I think the first thing you need to find a subject uh, that's going to be a popular subject and that you have a passion for. And I did, you know, the majority of my research through the newspapers, and as I said before, found 350 newspaper articles. 
but you know every piece of information uh, even is five weeks ago uh, I had been told he was chairman of the board of the YMCA in Montreal and I called them two years ago and have never heard back from them but I put YMCA Montreal uh, Bradshaw and I got a big article that sprung up which is in the back of the book uh, but as I mentioned before uh, you know the best part of doing the research was conversations with people but what I would like to offer uh, you know I spent f- almost four years going to writing writing classes and I would like to pay it back I'd like to put it out there for anybody that's writing or interested in writing to call me and join our writing circle and participate and uh, I'd like to offer that and uh, you can uh, reach uh, Bradshaw Hayes uh, by going to www.arthurbradshaw.com they, they, they can go to that and right. then, and then that's contact the website you website for the book and also that's where the store for the book is uh, and to order a book on that store takes about four minutes. Can they link to you as well? Can they uh, yeah. send you an email? All right, we're going to be taking a break here. When we come back, <clears throat> we're going to talk more about the the book, the process of writing the book, uh, more about the man, Arthur Brown, Bradshaw, about his key relationships <clears throat> with people, which is a, um, uh, a theme throughout the book. We're here with Arthur Bradshaw's grandson, uh, Bradshaw Hayes, and we'll be back with Bradshaw Hayes right after this break. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Hi, this is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour on America's Web Radio. If you'd like to hear an eclectic mix of great programs from relationships with Dr. Ann Schiebert to homegrown veggies and from classic cars to the Constitution, we've got programs for discerning listeners at www.americaswebradio.com. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org you're listening to america's web radio on the america's broadcast network.com thank you for listening welcome back to the business hour i'm ron camacho your host and we're here with bradshaw hayes the grandson of Arthur Brown Bradshaw, uh, a highly accomplished 
baseball player and uh, Southern gentleman uh, who in his lifetime did some really good deeds. Uh, and so in learning more about his grandfather, uh, Arthur Bradshaw, or rather Bradshaw Hayes, um, wrote the book King of the Southern Diamond, No Hits, No Runs, um, which characterizes the way that he pitched. He oftentimes had no hits and no runs scored against uh, his uh, Trinity Duke uh, team. Um, I want to read another quote here uh, from John Heisman. If anyone had told me before the game started that any college pitcher could, in the space of one game, strike out 16 of my men, I would have called him a complete fool. Now, Bratcher... So he continues, he said, if there's one thing I can do is teach a man how to hit a baseball. That's the end of the quote. And so he felt that he personally was affected by the ability of uh, Arthur Bradshear to strike out his men who had been coached by him to hit a ball. And he, he made that quote right after the game that was called the greatest game ever played in Dixieland. And uh, not to ruin the story, but Bradshear lost the game in the 12th inning he struck out 16 batters. He hit two doubles. He had uh, 10 assists, which is amazing for a pitcher to have, and uh, gave up three hits and lost in the 12th inning. And who, who was that game against? Against John Heisman and Georgia Tech. That's right. And so. He made that quote to the press right after the game. And, and the reason I ask is because I want to take a moment for you to explain. Because I think the overwhelming um, perception of John Heisman uh, is as a football coach because of the trophy that was <clears throat> named after him. Can you give us a little bit of clarification of just to what extent he was a great baseball coach and may have been a more winning baseball coach than he was a football coach and how the trophy came to be named after him? Well, um very few people realize that Heisman was a, was also a baseball coach at Clemson and then at Georgia Tech, and he won 220 games in baseball and uh, several championships. And then, of course, at the same time, he won 33 straight games in football and was a national champion in football in uh, 19, I believe, it's 1917 and won the SIAA Baseball Championship in 1906. Um, the, the, he was, the Heisman Trophy came about, and I believe it was a year after he died, which I believe was 1936, I stand to be corrected, but it was a trophy given by the New York Athletic Club, and the year after he died, they changed the name of the trophy for the most outstanding college player in the country to the Heisman Trophy, which you know, he, is still awarded today. Right. He could just as soon have been uh, uh, um, uh, the namesake for a baseball um, trophy. Uh, you know, he, it could, he could have gone the other way. Uh, now, Brad, you 
uh, along with researching uh, information that was available, much of which was online, and 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 uh, getting information from the Duke archives, um, you conducted a lot of interviews or had uh, interaction with family members because you you know you had to draw upon their knowledge of uh, your grandfather. Tell us a little bit about about those uh, those contributions. Well, I've touched on it a little earlier, but, um, you know, we 20 of us all spoke uh, and got together as far as uh, what stories they had about grandfather. And, uh, you know, one cousin said, I remember the day we were going down the road to the country store, and he stopped, and he clipped off a piece of willow, and he took out his pocket knife and carved a whistle. And he said, I still have that in a little box on my table today. But, you know, there was a story here, a story there, uh, almost a story everywhere. And like I said before, I spent several years with uh, Liz, my sister, uh, almost every night discussing things that she remembered about him and the family uh, during those years, and especially those years uh, at the farm during the summers for six years at the Noose River uh, in New Bern. Uh, so uh, that's where a lot of the stories came from. The um, the book is uh, so much about uh, his relationships with, 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 with many people. Um, uh, Lizzie Muse, as, as you pointed out, um, but also Chadwick, who was his, uh, his catcher, uh, was probably his other closest uh, relationship uh, n- n- be- during college and beyond, and and uh, and he was such a supporter. Uh, he believed so much in uh, Arthur Bratcher that that uh, I'm sure it had to come uh, as a tremendous source. Of um, of moral support, uh, and not only technical support. I mean, not only did they spend hours working together, and were almost on a, a telepathic brain wavelength. You know, of course, they had signals uh, and strategies. But I want you to read a, a, a section here uh, about uh, what Chadwick uh, once said. Uh, in the course of a uh, of a game, uh. well, catchers are intriguing. And first of all, any mother uh, that has a, a son that's a catcher should buy this book uh, just to read about Chadwick. He was something else. Uh, he was a little bit of a rebel. Uh, he was absolutely totally different uh, from Bradshaw, who was very conservative. But between the two of them, uh, when they were battery mates or uh, in a game, and the battery mate were battery mates in the glossary at the back of the book for some of y'all, they went 28 and 3. So catchers are very intriguing. They're one of the greatest parts of baseball, at least my history in baseball. So the game's about to start. And the umpire has screamed, play ball. So uh, the camera pans to Chadwick. 
Chadwick was in a crouch position, ready for the start of the game, when the umpire bent over the plate to brush it off. His rear end was pointed in the direction of the pitcher's mouth, and he found himself looking into the backstop stare. The two sets of eyes were less than 24 inches apart, so close the catcher could smell the tobacco on the ump's breath. Chadwick reached towards the plate with his index finger, tapped it on the edge. Mr. Williams, my boy Bratcher is going to put his balls on the black edge all day long. I hear you, Walter, he said with a grin. And the black edge is the corner of the plate. And uh, and we talk about painting the lines and uh, uh, pitching uh, on the edge. Uh, and by the way, I might add that um, uh, I think it was a um, uh, uh, just a, a really cool dimension to the book to ha- add the baseball glossary. Um, did you realize as you're writing the book that it might be helpful to readers, especially although there may be a a, 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 a great number of baseball fans who uh, get wind of the book and, and buy a copy and are, are, are attracted to a, a story about a baseball player, there'll be a lot of sports fans uh, that aren't particularly baseball fans, and there'll be a lot of non-sports fans, I would say. Well, the glossary are... can be fun. I mean, it's it's it's... It could be for housewives. It could be for men that just don't know all the terms of baseball but love baseball. And, you know, a housewife can say to her son or mother can say to her son, how'd you do today, son? Did you hit a blue darter or any frozen ropes? Well, you're all going to have to go to the glossary to see what those mean. Uh, one of the most famous terms in the glossaries is can of corn. And when I played, and it's still true, if anybody hits a lazy fly ball straight above a center fielder, he doesn't move an inch, and it just comes down in his glove. We would yell, can of corn. And it came from uh, the early 1900s when a man or a woman would take a broomstick in the 10-foot-high pantries and tap a can of corn, and it would drop down into their apron. It- there are um, phrases, uh, uh, sayings, uh, descriptive terms from uh, the previous turn of the century, um, but many of those remain, uh, the vast majority remain today. You know, you can uh, uh, learn some things about current uh, baseball nomenclature uh, by uh, going through uh, uh, the glossary that Brad Bratcher Hayes has uh, compiled. Uh, we're going to be taking uh, another break. We're uh, reaching our last uh, segment. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the, more about the book, but also a little bit about you uh, because you played baseball. We want to know the uh, horns of your uh, love for the game, which um, may or may not have begun before you began to play the game. We're here with Bratcher Hayes, author of the book, King of the Southern Diamond, no hits, no runs, and we'll be back with Brasher right after this break. You know, I got to throw in just because uh, we're doing it, and you brought up the factor. You brought up the fact, Ron, of uh, of uh, K 
can of corn or whatever. Right now, if you go to our website, on uh, the, we're scrolling that uh, you can put in your idioms. I love idioms. Like uh, you may be oh, the the ones that the family, the the uncle, the cousin, or whatever always had had a saying. You know, you're about as you're about as uh, worthless, or you're you're about as good as a screen door on a submarine. Or, yeah. My my grandfather had one. Well, Tom, how you doing? Well, I'm like a oh, I'm like a woman in a hobble skirt. I hadn't got much room for kicking. So yeah. anyway, we've uh, we're putting it together. I love idioms, and yeah. if you've got one, send them in to okay. America's Web Radio, and uh, we're going to be working with a publisher to. Uh, uh, take some of the the ones that we think are the best, and uh, we'll be in contact with you as well. If you want to put your name with them, if you don't, that's fine too. Whatever you want to do. But I just thought it was funny that you brought that up, and, and uh, we started this uh, several days ago, as a matter of fact. And uh, want to remind everybody that you're listening to America's Web Radio, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. This is David Donaldson with the Atlanta Healing Center, conveniently located in Lawrenceville, Georgia. At AHC, your success is our goal. Addiction recovery is about more than just not using. It's about becoming a whole person and addressing all aspects of your physical, psychological, and social needs. Please call us at 770-696-9862, or you can reach us on the web at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Bradshaw Hayes, and Bradshaw has written a, a great uh, story about a man of uh, significant accomplishments uh, throughout his entire life, but with a focus on the years that he spent um, at Trinity College, which became Duke University. Uh, the book is entitled King of the Southern Diamond, and you can learn more about it. Uh, go to www.arthurbradshire.com, and you can also uh, get copies of the, the book. Uh, you know, one thing about uh, uh, Arthur Bradshire uh, was that uh, he really um, was the most prominent figure uh, in, in athletics um, at uh, Trinity College. Um, at the which became Duke for a variety of reasons. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, baseball at that time was uh, where it was at. I mean, it was the game that everybody played. At Duke, basketball didn't come into being until uh, 1907, and football was banned. So uh, 
the president of the school told his athletic director, W.W. W. Card, when he came in 19, oh, the fall of 1902, you see Bradshaw today because he is the face of our school. And people look at him because of his accomplishments, his character, his integrity. Uh, he was a cum laude, uh, cum laude student. And uh, so he really was the face of Trinity during that era. Uh, you know, we, we, we talk about um, uh, the relationships that uh, Arthur Brown Bradshaw had with key people in his lives, um, Lizzie being one of them. Chadwick, even before Lizzie, uh, Lizzie Muse, who became his wife, with uh, his family, his children, his grandchildren. Um, in your chapter 16, entitled Best Friends, uh, there's a quote from Aristotle. My best friend is the man who, in wishing me well, wishes it for my sake. One of those uh, people uh, that was near and dear to him, again, is Chadwick, his his catcher, and I want you to read uh, a passage because there was a point in time, and and there, in fact there may have been many uh, encounters with the journalism community. But after one such uh, meeting with journalists, uh, uh, Bradshaw turned to uh, Chadwick and said uh, said this. Well, they were walking back from the interview with about seven or eight journalists, and they were walking back to the train. Uh, it reads, As the two comrades left the journalist pool, Arthur turned to his catcher and said, Thanks for what you said back there. You have always stood behind me and tried to help. You possess one of the greatest traits of being a loyal friend. What's that, Arthur? You always have my best interests in heart. You want what's best for me. I feel very fortunate to have a best friend in you. And I do have one one quote. I'm told not to read in this interview, but I will read this one. No, I think uh, it's a great... Uh, and it pertains uh, to Chadwick. Yeah, it's a great characterization of... Uh, of there the are a couple of relationships in life that are special. One is a man with his God, and the other is with the catcher with his pitcher, and they are both sacred. Yeah, I I think that uh, uh, it fits right in with a number of other quotes, like the uh, Yogi Berra, love is the most important thing in the world, but baseball is pretty good too. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it, it, it sort of captures a... uh, uh, the spirit of the feeling that uh, many have for any given sport. In this case, it's baseball, and uh, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, your relationship to to the sport. Uh, when did you first become aware of the game, um, and was it love at first read? Love at first sound of the game. Um, well, I'll tell you. I mean, it, it it 
started playing single A baseball uh, as a six year old, and it's it's interesting. My father and I did not talk a lot about matters, and before he died, I, I sat down and said, "How?" Because I was a pretty darn good shortstop when I was younger. And I said, "How did I accomplish this?" You know, and he said, "Son." When you were three years old, I would spend 30 to 40 minutes a day, and I would roll you 100 to 150 balls when you were three. And uh, and the other person that was very important uh, it was my mother. And uh, she drove me to every practice, every game, uh, until I got my driver's license. And so I don't think mom and dad ever missed a game that I played in, and I played in two state championship baseball teams. I have to tell everybody that, and uh, state championship basketball team. And uh, one of your questions to me, and I'll ask it because we're running out of time, was uh, about coaches. And I coached for about eight years, and. Uh, coach with some great ones, Bo Means and Ken Thrasher, and we won some championships. But a coach of mine just passed away, Emmett Wright, and he was a coach of our state championship team. He passed away at 93, and he was one of the finest coaches uh, that have ever been. And I told his son, which I had written at our 50th anniversary, that I still had nightmares about Coach Wright's practices that were so tough. And he responded to Jimmy at 92 years of age. He said, well, Jimmy, you tell Brad I still have nightmares about some of the the, uh, the games he played. So, you know, you, um, uh, you're, you, you acknowledge a lot of the folks that uh, um, were helpful in the writing of this book, and uh, you... Uh, Touched on a couple, though. Um, tell us again. Um, how did the the local writing community help you uh, get to a point where you had the confidence and were cultivating the skill to write this book? Well, I mean, our our, uh, our writers group. You know, we showed up every Friday, still do, uh, for two hours, and we share each other's work and. We critique it. We don't call it criticism. And you you walk in, you think you have the best written piece in the world, and you leave with about 20 changes on it. So to be a good writer, you've got to be open-minded and uh, not not uh, thin-skinned. And, you know, listen to what people's critique uh, and make changes. And uh, I was, I believe, willing to do that, and it helped me immensely. Uh, the I'm a, a member of the Atlanta uh, uh, Writers Club, and uh, George Weinstein, the president, has done a fabulous job in running that, as has Valerie, uh, you know, in putting together the programs that they produce once a month. Yeah, tip of the hat to Valerie and not only for... that's how I got involved with one of the writers' groups. Uh, uh, Gillia was doing a... uh, was speaking, and she invited three of us to join the writers' circle, and that was four years ago. 
and uh, my hat's off to her. Uh, and she's been a great part of my writing career. Yeah, I, w- I was about to say hats off to uh, Valerie for not only being a, uh, an excellent writer, but also in her role as president of the uh, local, uh, um, is it the Writers Club, the Atlanta Writers Club? Yeah. Uh, uh, and like know. I said, I want to pay that forward. Uh, anybody that wants to get in touch with me, uh, I would love to help them as far as the writing goes. You um, you chose to self-publish in just a few seconds. Why why was that? Well, I uh, I think the books right now worthy of an agent, but I self-published uh, because I couldn't wait two years for a book this book to come out. The story was too good, but also I've enjoyed it, and uh, I'm gonna keep selling it through my store uh, and other people's places of business. Uh, they're uh, better baseballs considering putting the book in their store. And uh, and so I'm learning the business for the next. Yeah, and and then, uh, but I've enjoyed doing the self-publishing. Well, speaking of learning the business, um, you have been an accomplished uh, real estate agent for decades, and you recently achieved a... Uh, uh, recognition from the Atlanta Board of Realtors. Uh, so you have a whole other career. Well, I'm and, still uh, practicing, and it's been four decades, it, not a couple. No, I said a few. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, so anyway, I just received an emeritus um, standing for 40 years in the real estate business. Okay, we're, we're winding down. What advice would you give to uh, um, a young uh, aspiring writers? Anything's possible. You know, live your dream. Uh, Get started. The hardest part of completing a task is getting started to it. Don't be afraid. Uh, Have confidence. Uh, And put a pen to paper and see what you get and let other people take a look at it and give you some critique. Pen to paper or fingers to the keyboard, uh, either way. Uh, I like to do a little bit of both. and I want to thank you. I mean, uh, there are a lot of people that are important along the journey, and I want to thank you for uh, helping me get the word out about the book today. Well, it's you're been enti- a pleasure. You're entirely welcome, uh, Bradshaw. Um, I think you've done a great job. We have been talking with Bradshaw Hayes on his about his book, King of the Southern Diamond. Thank you so much for being on the program. You've been listening to America's Web Radio here, um, 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time in the USA. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.